Welcome everyone to Monday Match Analysis. I'm Gil Gross. Now, this show was predicated, as some of you know, on the biggest and baddest tennis matches happening on Sunday with the finals, Saturday semifinals. And what I committed to, and I think I've done a pretty good job of this, was every Monday I was going to be right here to break it down, to tell you who, what, when, where, why, and how. So I was a little worried this week. Indian Wells. Bit of an unconventional schedule. The tournament starts on Thursday. You have the, the first round. The seeds don't play until Saturday. As of, the, as of recording this right now, March 11th, the round of 32 is underway. But I was a bit concerned. Was there going to be a match in the first four days of Indian Wells that was going to be worth breaking down here on Monday Match Analysis? Was there going to be a match that captivated the tennis world and... We got lucky, everyone. Felix Auger, Aliasim, Stefanos Tsitsipas in the second round captivated the tennis world. And boy, what a result for the young Canadian teenager. He beat the world number 10, Stefanos Tsitsipas, 6-4, 6-2. I can't wait to talk about this match because sometimes I'll see a match. And I got to be honest, it'll be a little bit cloudy for me. Why? Did player A beat player B? What were the main, what what are some things that that stood out to me as the main reasons that a result went a certain way? This match wasn't like that. This match, to me, was very clear in how it played out. And there was there was a very a, a, a very obvious and noticeable advantage that FAA had over Stefano Tsitsipas, and I'm really excited to share that with you. So I'm going to get deep into the weeds of this match, and then let's go just through every round of 32 match uh, really, really quick towards the end. But I'm gonna, I, I hope I can give you on this match uh, the most comprehensive breakdown of FAA against Tsitsipas on the internet. Let's do this. There's our thumbnail. These guys have been on here a lot, so Felix ha got his first thumbnail, and I'm, I kind of want to keep track of this stuff. Uh, Tsitsipas got the thumbnail, I think, for beating Federer, um, or I don't know if that was a Monday Match Analysis thumbnail or not, but uh, and then, but I know Tsitsipas has been on the thumbnail, I think, at least twice, and then Felix got it once, so, so they're very young, and they've gotten a lot of thumbnails, so one for each of them. Okay, I want to point out something that... Two shows ago, when I broke down FAA in depth, I didn't get to talk about this because of the way I had the show formatted. This is something that's very important to FAA's game, and I didn't get to talk about it. Service box coverage. The Novak Djokovic special. The Andy Murray special. Service box coverage is when... Basically, a player is hitting serves that against most opponents would be an ace, would be a service winner, but against these special players with elite service box coverage, it comes back. And not only does it come, come back, it comes back in a, in a neutralizing manner, in a way that's hard to attack. This stood out to me, this has stood out to me uh, with Felix, his service box coverage and his return ability, and it did in this match against Stefanos. So check out this serve. Well placed down the tee. I'd say Stefanos hit his spot here. And Felix lunges and stretches out. Now with the return of serve, you don't really have time. You don't really have time to move your feet. 
there's no footwork really. It's more at launching yourself at the ball. So it's all about timing, good split step, and a quick reaction. And that's something that is is tough for me to kind of... I'm not really sure why some players have better, seemingly better reactions than others. But on the return of serve, it's so important that you have great reaction. And that's something that, that's what makes Andre Agassi and Novak Djokovic in, in particular, that's what gives them ability to be such impeccable returners because it seems like they're able to move so early on the ball. And that's something I've been seeing also from FAA. So he launches himself at the ball here. And the third dimension takes reaction, it takes athleticism, it also takes great feel and great hands. Because what Felix is able to do here is he's able to put this right on the baseline. He's able to return this with really good depth. And it takes incredible hands to take a ball that's hit 125 miles per hour. And that's how for, that's how hard that Stefano's uh, T-serve was. It was 125. It takes amazing hands to mute the pace off of that ball and to not kind of float it short, but also not to kind of have brick hands and hit it long, but to put it in exactly the right spot. And I also think that it's better to hit this serve up the middle because you limit the angles that Tsitsipas has. It's better to hit this up the middle than towards one of the sidelines. So that's what FAA does. It's right up the middle and it has really great depth. So to me, that's that's Djokovic-like. That's Andy Murray-like. A defensive return that's put so well-placed on the other side of the court. Watch it again. Same game, 30-all. I'm not cherry-picking. I'm not, I don't have to cherry-pick to find examples. I don't need to show you one point from one-all in the first, and then it happens in the second set. No, same game. What, what is this? Two points later. And, and this FAA gets the early break in this game. Um, again, this time Pass goes out wide. It's a slower serve. It's a slice serve. But if FAA had a slower reaction... If he started moving later, he would have had to move more towards that red dotted line. And he could have let this serve pull him out wide. But he has such a quick reaction that he's able to move diagonally towards the ball and cut the ball off. This is a serve that's going really, really wide. But it, it fails to pull FAA out wide off the court because he moves diagonally towards the ball. Because that's how sharp his reaction is on this return. And once again, he's he's stretched out. He's switched to continental grip. It's a position that's pretty hard to control the ball from. And look where Felix puts it. Again, right on the baseline. And I'm pretty sure, sure if my memory serves me correctly, Tsitsipas makes a forehand error on this very next shot. Gives FAA a break point, And FAA does indeed break. Unbelievable service box coverage. And the stats back that up. This is thanks to Tennis Abstract and the match charting pro uh, project. Tsitsipas's ace percentage, last 53 on hardcourt, 9%. Versus Felix, 6.4%. That's almost a 33% dip in Tsitsipas's ace percentage. And the sample size is a little bit small, but, but still, this just goes to show you the athleticism and the reaction and the length. Six foot three and his arms look pretty long. These three things 
the ability to smother the service box, something that is so difficult for opponents to deal with because when I hit a great serve, I don't expect that, that to come right back at my feet. Very rare skill that FAA is able to show off. So I think um, one, of the, one of the big things, FAA broke Tsitsipas three times in this match. A lot of that was because Tsitsipas wasn't, wasn't getting the return um, or he, he wasn't getting a lot of free points off his serve. He wasn't getting a lot of short balls off his serve. So uh, the return played a part. The next thing I want to point out is Tsitsipas' backhand. Uh, this is a kind of a common topic of conversation on this show. Some of you uh, defending Tsitsipas' backhand when I said that it was a B- minus um, or a B. And I said, look, when Tsitsipas is put in compromised positions, his backhand is very, very weak. When he's in perfect, when he's in perfect position, his backhand's perfectly strong. But players that are able to rush him on the backhand side and put him on the run, players who are able to kick it up above his shoulders, they are able to make headway. They are able to make progress against Stefanos Tsitsipas. FAA did this in the match mainly with his serve because Tsitsipas's backhand return was not good enough in this match to break serve. There, there was no chance that Tsitsipas was going to break serve with his backhand return landing as short as it consistently landed. I have stats to back that up, but first I'm going to hold the stats and I want to go just more towards visual representation. Here's when Tsitsipas' backhand is strong, when he's able to close his stance and when the ball is between shoulder and hip level. He's able to get his legs into it, he's able to get his hips into it, and he's not relying so much on upper body strength. He's able to, you know, have enough time for his full backswing. It's a pretty long swing that he has, and he's able to rip this shot. He really is. When Tsitsipas' backhand breaks down, it's when he's hitting it open stance. He can't get that same hip rotation. Nobody can when they hit from an open stance. You get less rotation. You get less, you just get less of your, your, your hip rotation involved. And you can see this play out. You see, he tries to rotate his hips and he does so a little bit. There's a little bit of rotation there. But, sorry about that, but... There's not quite as much. If you compare it to close stance, watch Tsitsipas on this close stance backhand. Watch his, his, uh, his left hip and his left leg. His left leg starts behind him. It winds up actually in front of his right leg. That's how much hip rotation he's able to get on this shot. Again, relying less on upper body strength. Or, yeah, when, when the ball's in the right spot. When the ball kicks up high. Similar dynamic. You can't really use your legs. You can't rotate your hips as much. That's when the ball is out of your strike zone. This is something that I said uh, a very long time ago. I want to actually play a clip from an old video. This was when I was previewing uh, Rafa Nadal and Stefanos Tsitsipas in the Australian Open final. I said there's no way Tsitsipas is going to be able to win this match because Nadal's going to pick on the backhand. Take a look. And it's just a little bit too weak. Check this out. 
There's the serve. That's weak. Rafa kicks it up, and that's really weak, guys. Open stance, one-handed backhand above the shoulders. I mean, that's a really tough shot. It's not, the, the footwork is not ideal for Tsitsipas. It's a compromised position. But it's the kind of position that you can, that we would see a Dominic Thiem or a Stan Wawrinka, we would see them kind of hit themselves out of that position. Tsitsipas isn't there yet. So as you could see on those backhands, open stance and above his shoulders. And that's why they were so weak. Now on the return of serve, this is an area where it's hard for Tsitsipas to have time to close his stance. And because of the Indian Wells court and how it responds to spin and, and kick, Felix Auger Aliasim was able to have tons of success picking on Tsitsipas's backhand return. Again, here's a clip of Tsitsipas returning it. It's going to be almost impossible with the amount of time he has to really close his stance. Here's a picture of Tsitsipas on the run. When you're on the run, very hard to close your stance. Here's some stats. Stefano Tsitsipas won two of 27 points off his backhand return. So FAA served it to Stefanos' backhand 27 times. He only went to the forehand 19 times. Uh, Tsitsipas on his forehand won 47% of points. Off of his forehand return, he was 9 of 19. Off of his backhand return, he was 2 of 27. He got Now he got 20 of 20 backhand returnable balls in play. So he was getting them in the court. When and this is uh, Tennis Abstract's match charting pro project, which I was I was fortunate enough to check Tennis Abstract, and I was so happy to see that they actually charted this match. FAA was eight of eight on points one on the ad side when he went wide. The kick serve out wide was an automatic point for Felix Oje Aliasim. On the deuce side, when he went up the tee, he won. That's a typo. He won nine of ten points. The kick serve was killing him. 29% of second serve points won uh, by Felix. And on the second serve, what was FAA doing? Kick serve to the Tsitsipas backhand. And Stefanos was not able to handle it. I want to be very clear with, with, with something. I'm, I'm picking on Tsitsipas a little bit. I'm picking on his weakness right now. I'm pointing out his weakness. Um, some of you will probably say, oh, I'm, I'm hating right now or I'm a hater. I mean, first of all, if, if you think I if you think I don't like Tsitsipas, check out when he beat Federer. I, I probably gave him more respect than than you could possibly give him. I think Tsitsipas is future number one. I think he's such a bright star. But those of you who think that his backhand is not a weakness, you have what they call one-handed backhand fetishism. One-handed backhand fetishism. It's a real thing. And it is when people are too caught up in the beauty and the elegance of a one-handed backhand to recognize the flaws, to recognize the shortcomings. Now, there are strengths as well. The hardest backhands, the heaviest backhands in the game, they are one-handers. They are Richard Gasquet in his prime, Stan Wawrinka, Dominic Thiem. These are the hardest, heaviest backhands in the sport. But... You also have to have to recognize 
not all one-handed backhands are great. And and right now, this is how Tsitsipas is losing matches when he's losing matches. In this match, Tsitsipas had no chance of winning because whenever FAA needed a big point on serve, he could kick it up high to Stefanos' backhand and, and get a short ball. Or he could flatten it out to Tsitsipas' backhand and and hope that Tsitsipas came around late on the ball, which was happening all the time. It was either getting up high on him and drawing a, a, a weak, short reply, or he was late on it. Uh, both those things were happening. So that was that was kind of where FAA could could go over and over and over again, and it was an automatic one point for him. So just to summarize, real quick, once again, Tsitsipas' backhand, when he doesn't play a great player and he has plenty of time and he's dictating play, his backhand is fine. It's good. It's when he's playing a player who's so good that they're able to put Tsitsipas on the run, to rush him, to make it so that he's hitting the ball over his shoulder. All that jazz. That's when Tsitsipas' backhand is weak. Why? He lacks the upper body strength is, is the main reason. And also, there's probably some, some technical shortcomings there, which I'd, I'd have to really study. Um, but it kind of seems to me that Tsitsipas doesn't... He, he, he has a little bit of a... He's a little bit of side spin on it. It's not, it's not a fully... Anyway, I don't actually want to get into detail on this. It, it, looks, it looks like he's compensating a little bit with his left arm. When when he's kind of uh, on his backswing, when when he goes forward, I don't I don't have that. Maybe that's something to to look into, um, w an, another time. And I actually regret even bringing that up because I have nothing for you on that. Um, I'm gonna move on though. Not from the match. I have a little bit more. So another thing that Tsitsipas said after the match is that he feels tired. And that's another thing. Stefanos needs to play less matches. He simply has to play less. He's playing too much. He's going too deep in tournaments. He's wearing himself out. He's number two right now in the race to London. Forget that. That's a product of him being a top 10 caliber player right now. And he's playing so many matches. He's compiling rankings points. He really needs to tone it down. Because he, in the last two matches... He's been the, the player with less quickness, less explosiveness, less spark, less spring. Federer and, and FAA, they've looked more fresh out there. And they've, they've dominated court position. They've had quicker footwork, quicker reactions, all that good stuff. So Tsitsipas needs to take a break. And he needs to get himself fresh again because right now he's not fresh. One more thing. I want to I want to show this these screenshots because Tsitsipas didn't play his best in this match. He he made his fair share of unforced errors. All these things are true, but FAA hit a stretch in the second set where he was basically Felix Djokovic out there. I mean, he he really was. And I don't know how much Tsitsipas could have done. I want to play this clip real quick. Or it's not a clip. It's screen it's screenshots because the the ATP is is cracking down hard. I, I see other channels on YouTube showing match clips, match footage, and I don't know how they're getting away with this because 
I mean, they have, or maybe they're not. In fact, I know for a fact some of them aren't. Anyway, I do the best I can, but I'm not going to risk getting videos taken down. So once again, FAA on the full stretch. This one's short. Tsitsipas approach. You guys remember this shot if you were watching this match. Look at this court coverage. Look at this athleticism. Double-handed at the Indian Wells logo. He's in midair. The explosiveness. Are you kidding me? The flexibility. The balance on the two-hander. He pulls it down the line. He is literally Felix Djokovic on this point. Literally Felix Djokovic. So I just wanted to point that out. Um, and again, this last note I have written down is stand in, stand in and rip. Uh, again, Felix actually hit more winners than Stefanos Tsitsipas in this match. But Felix is the better defender. That's that's trouble. That that's a really bad formula for Stefanos. He he needs to be the one hitting more winners, and even if it means making more unforced errors, I think the reason FAA hit more winners than feel uh, than Stefanos is once again Stefanos is is losing court position here. So I think there needs to be an effort for him. And this comes back to freshness and quickness because I explained last week how if you stand further back, it gives you more time to set up your feet. So if you're a little bit slower, there's a natural tendency to move back a little bit. And I think Tsitsipas has been a little bit slower. If he's able to if he if he's able to focus on moving his feet a little bit quicker and he's able to press up a little bit more, he needs to play further into the court because he keeps he keeps losing court position, and that can't happen for Tsitsipas. So I think that's the biggest adjustment when he hits the practice court. The backhand's going to take time. The backhand return, it, it's going to take time. Something that I think can happen immediately is I think that he can work on his court position a little bit, especially on the return. And uh, that'll enable him to use his forehand to dictate with his forehand and get up to the net. All right. Um, quick thoughts on Kyrgios. Lost to Cole Schreiber. This is before I'll get to uh, previewing the round of 32. Um, Kyrgios did not, we, we are not getting his meeting with Novak Djokovic because he lost to Philip Kohlschreiber, um, as I as I warned you guys might happen. Now, this was, a, he played pretty well, especially in the first set, and Kohlschreiber's no bum. It's not like Kyrgios lost to a bum here. Kyrgios lost to a really good player who can win cat and mouse points, but I think that the conditions really disadvantaged Kyrgios here because he was able to create such easy, instant offense in Acapulco. And he exercised patience. And I thought he was pretty patient in this match, but there had to be too much patience. And it was too difficult for him to, to create easy offense in the snap of the fingers on this slow, hard court. Acapulco, it was just much, much easier for him to do that. The reason... He wasn't able to overcome that. The reason he wasn't able to win anyway is because you have Cole Schreiber, a guy with a great ability to maintain 100% level of focus. And again, you had Kyrgios dipping in and out of focus. And when he was in focus, he was holding serve. He wasn't breaking serve. So he had these laps in focus. Like the break, I think it came at 4-all. 
the break at four all, Cole Schreiber did almost nothing. It was like a double fault, two easy errors from from uh, up 40-30, Kyrgios was. And it was like, oh, okay. All of a sudden, um, Cole Schreiber serves for the first set. Then Kyrgios slips twice. He throws his shoe. In the second set, the, the focus was was a lot lower than it was in the first set. And Cole Schreiber won. So, so my main thing, I'm not going to go too long. My main thing on this is... It was one week um, in Acapulco, so it was it was a good week, and this week won't go away. It will help Kyrgios for the rest of 2019. Not only will the points, but also just just the knowing that he can make a run like that. I'm not saying that Kyrgios is going to go back to playing like number 70 in the world like he did for uh, two, in in for much of 2018. What I'm saying is, don't expect him to get consistent all of a sudden. Just don't expect that. So I think that's worth hearkening back to. Right now, he played in Delray, lost to Radu Albot, then had a great tournament, didn't lose. Now he lost to Philip Kohlschreiber. So again, sandwiched between that run was losing to two guys who he shouldn't really lose to. Albot's playing great. Kohlschreiber's a good player. Still, Nick Kyrgios... Should be beating those guys. Or I don't like that, actually. He shouldn't... It's not like he should be beating those guys. He can beat those guys. I, I hate that, actually. Because with Kyrgios, it's almost like we act like he should be this good. But if if a guy doesn't really, really want to be that good, then... And, and he's not putting in as much the, the, the work that it requires to be that good or he's not mentally cut out for being that good, then really he shouldn't be, right? No one's entitled to anything. All we know is what he can be. And I actually don't like how much pressure we put, um, how much pressure the media puts on Kyrgios. Because I think for the most part, this is a guy who, who we shouldn't be constantly reminding, oh, you should be winning slams, you should be winning this, you should be winning that. Unless his results, and a lot of the times they do, unless his, unless his results are consistently suggesting that he should be that guy, which they don't suggest that. They suggest that he can be that guy. So I caught myself there saying should. It's really not should with Nick. He shouldn't be that good. He can be that good. And there's a difference. Let's go to the round of 32. Uh, I have not given these matches much thought. I'm just going to look at them and give you the first thing that comes to mind. And I'm just going to pick all 32 of them because as this show winds down, maybe I'll say something insightful, maybe not. Who knows? Djokovic, Cole Schreiber. Someone asked me on Twitter, why isn't Cole Schreiber a top 10 player? Interesting question. Cole Schreiber is a guy who, in my opinion, has the, the racket skills of a top 10er. He hits the ball like a top tenor. Physically, he was not he was not blessed with the God-given genetics to move around the court like a top ten player. Physically, he's inferior to almost to to anyone really in the top ten. He's a little small. He's not quite quick enough. He's not quite strong enough. And um, that's kind of the hand that Cole Schreiber's been dealt. Also, sir, the the serve doesn't really help him out because it's not very big. But, but in terms of his touch, his hands, his precision, 
one of the most one of the most precise uh, ground strokes, some of the most precise ground strokes on tour. I think uh, Cole Schreiber has. I got Djokovic in that. Monfils versus Albert Ramos. Ramos is a good clay quarter, so Monfils has to watch out. But uh, I don't anticipate Monfils um, loses this one at all. Ramos will try to gr grind him out. I think that Monfils has done a much better job of not playing into the hands of a lot of these grinders. A lot of the times Monfils would say, oh, you want to grind? Oh, I can grind too. But he's done a better job of saying, oh, you want to grind? Guess what? I don't have to grind. I'm going to come to the net and finish this point. Karlovic going to Swarin. Karlovic, I think, because as I'm recording this, I'm pretty sure... Here, let me get live scores up. I'm pretty sure Karlovic won this. I was actually going to record Monday match analysis earlier, but this uh, match between Marcos Giron and Milos Raonic had me so captivated that I couldn't. So I had to fi finish watching that match. Let me pull up live scores. Uh... Yes, Karlovich won that match. So I think Karlovich is going to win this match. Uh, Jill Simone and Dominic Team. This one is extremely intriguing. Um, it's interesting. Very interesting. So Team is, has just not been in good enough form. What Simone loves, Simone loves someone who's going to club the ball at him. And that's exactly what Dominic Team is going to do. I think Simone on a slower court is going to be able to to have a field day here. And I'm really excited to see how this match plays out. But I think Simone is going to be able to defend a lot, move around a lot. Team's going to have trouble hitting through him, which is weird to say for Team because he's throw, so good at hitting through everyone. But Simone's anticipation is so good and his movement is so good. And he loves using that pace against his opponent. I think this is a good matchup for Simone. And Dominic Team's a pretty heavy favorite in this match, but I I, I think Simone, I'm going to pick the upset here. I think Simone comes through. Alexander Zverev against Struff. This match is going on right now, and I see Struff just won the first set, and he's up to love. So as soon as I'm done finishing this, I will get to that match. I am not obviously going to give you any predictions here because uh, I think Struff has a good chance of winning. <laughs> So that's my prediction. I'm just I'm just joking. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. I do know that Struff is a is a guy who has very low shot tolerance. Uh but when he plays short rallies, he can be very very dangerous and we know that Zverev can get passive sometimes. So I wonder if if Zverev just isn't is is once again being too passive and then Struff is really just taking the initiative right now and just winning a lot of quick points by kind of coming to the net, which Struff can do, and hitting bigger from the baseline. And Zverev's trying to defend, and Zverev shouldn't have to defend, and he's not great at it. He's good at it, but he's not great at it. So that's interesting. Uh, Milos Raonic beat Giron. Giron was actually up a break in the third set, and then I tweeted about how amazing it would be if Giron would win this match. And then after I sent that tweet, Raonic went on a, a run, and I don't know if Giron even won a game. So I jinxed him. I feel terrible about it, and Raonic won that match. Felix Auger, Aliasim against Nishioka. Nishioka... Um, Good hard quarter, good mover, quick. Uh, but right now, I, I mean, 
there's no reason to pick against Felix. I got to see Nishioka's game a little bit more, actually, before I, I can't really assess if this is a good matchup, a bad matchup for Felix. Um, I know, I know Nishioka is very quick around the court, and I know he's just very, very strong off the ground. Um, but right now, um, I just, I love how Felix is playing. So I'm, let's go Felix there. Uh, Jera against. Um, Kachmanovic, I believe, is how it's pronounced. Uh, let's go with Jera. I don't really have anything on that, though. And uh, now let's turn the page. So that was the top half. This is the bottom half. Nick, uh, Nishikori and Hubert Hercoc. Nishikori with a classic kind of grinded-out win against Manorino. He needs to win this, these matches easier. And, and he has been amazing. I mean, amazing. I don't know what his exact record is. In in deciding sets in 2019, the guy has been, like, ridiculously good. But he's playing too many of them. He need, Nishikori needs to win matches quicker. This is why he's not winning majors. Uh, I'm excited to see Hercoc because I haven't watched him enough either. I know his strokes look exactly like Tomas Burdich. Uh, I would say Nishikori probably on upset alert here. I'd pick him to go through, though. I think that Nishikori will lose, though, in the next round to whoever he plays. He'll play Shapovalov or Chilich, and I like Shapovalov in this. I know I'm kind of... I've been picking against Chilich. Oh, let me address this, because people are saying, how could you say Chilich is too old? He's, he's only 30. I'm pretty sure he's 30. Someone said he was 29 in the comments. I think that person is wrong. Let me just check real quick. Okay, guys, age is just a number. Do I really have to explain this? Oh, my goodness. Age is just a number. It's about trajectory. Chilich was healthy all year, as far as we know. He didn't miss any time. He had been just come off um, one of the best years of his career, and he kept losing to guys he shouldn't lose to. So that's why at the beginning of this year, I'm like, ooh, I didn't love Chilich's 2018. It wasn't terrible, but it really should have been better. It really should have been better, and it wasn't. So at the beginning of 2019, in my season preview, I said, let's watch out for this guy's results because he's at the, tradi the traditional age. He is 30, by the way. He's at the traditional age where guys can drop off a little bit here. And I just thought that there were a lot of matches, like like Wimbledon. He should have He should have went on a run in Wimbledon. How could you lose that match to Guido Pela? How could you do that? So I'm just looking at his results. I'm not just merely looking at his age and saying Chilich might be on the downturn. I'm looking at the trajectory of his results and looking at a guy who's age 30 and saying maybe Chilich will not be aging like fine wine, like a Nadal or a Federer or a Djokovic at this point. Not everyone is going to play well when they're 33 years old or 31 or 32 for that matter. So Chilich outside the top 10 dropped to uh, number 11. Shapovalov blew me away against Stevie Johnson also. Shapovalov was playing incredible tennis against Stevie Johnson. Radu Albat against Kyle Edmund. Similarly, Kyle Edmund blew me away. In his match against Nicholas Jari, he, he wiped the floor with Nicholas Jari. And unbelievable shot making by Edmund. I mean, Edmund either... He's just got to make less unforced errors. Uh, right now, it's, it seems like he's... It's going the, the proper way for him where he's pulling off incredible shots instead of making 
um, an incredible number of errors. If that keeps up, he'll beat Radu Albot. Vavrinka against Federer. Vavrinka played an incredible match. I told you guys that that was going to be a great match uh, against uh, Fushovic. And I'm wondering how much Vavrinka will have left in the tank against Federer. Also, the backhand slice, which Federer loves to use against Vavrinka, the backhand slice has been bothering a lot of players on this court. I find that I find it's been very effective this week on this court. So look for Federer to do that against Stan Vavrinka. I don't know how much Stan will have left in the tank. Federer's got to play better than he did in that second set um, against who was it? Oh, right, um, Goyachik, who you guys corrected me on the pronunciation last week. Uh, he didn't play well in the second set against Goyachik, but I think Federer beats Vavrinka. Looking forward to watching that one, of course. John Isner, Guida Pela. John's playing really well. This That kick serve, that's tough to handle on this court. So I got John. Rublev and Hatchinov. This should be a perfect match for Karen Hatchinov. Um, he'll get rhythm. He'll get someone who... I mean, these guys are just going to try blasting each other off the court. And Hatchinov has a better serve. And Hatchinov has more power. So it's going to be like... This is going to be a bash fest, and I'll take Hatchinov in a bash fest. Medvedev and Krajinovic. Krajinovic is playing great, but but Medvedev on these slow courts, consistency, movement, rewarded. Um, so and, and Medvedev uh, played really well. Has been playing really well. Who did I watch him play against? It was an American. I forget who though. Beat him six love in the second set. I forget. Uh, and then Schwartzman against Nadal. I think Schwartzman has no answer for for Rafa. Rafa's got to attack this second serve though. He's been way too passive on the second serve. Rafa needs to attack the Schwartzman second serve. All right, that's all we got. Um, I should be getting content to you um, midweek this week. So. Hopefully, kind of, it'll be a faster week. It won't be the traditional week. You won't have to wake up, wait until Monday before you hear from me again. So, hope you enjoyed this one. Don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next time. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean not a cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.